Welcome to the All About Ability podcast. Yes, I nailed it. <laughs> um, uh, we've had a wee bit of a break the past few months, but we're, we're back and we're ready to go again. And I'm really looking forward to the next few weeks of podcast. We're going to be back every Tuesday, five o'clock. Make sure to like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. And we're going to have some good content coming your way, so stay tuned. Um, how did you get introduced this man? <laughs> I've been, I've actually done a lot of digging yeah. on it on you, and um, it's such a fascinating journey. I, like a lot of things I, I did not expect. There was things that came up that I didn't think were going to happen. Yeah, but just for anyone, any of the SCW fans tuning in right away, we get the main event of Frogtown's party. Yep, King of the Sanity match. Yeah, we will get to that night one, July 29th, <laughs> main event. Yeah. Just for anyone that listens to the first 30 seconds of the podcast, we want to get, yeah, yeah, get yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to that show and it's going to steal the show because this guy is impressive, late and buzzard. Um, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, man, for sure. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about. You know, because when I was you know looking, yeah, I, I did not expect to see anything about musical theatre. Yeah, yeah, that's where I started. <laughs> you know, that's my origins. And, you know, te- what something really stood out to me. I was like 10 years old and you're on a show for the BBC. It was yeah. Like, uh, anything um, I can do? Uh, oh, what was it called again? I do anything. Yes, yeah. that's it. That's it. And one of the things that really struck me about that was that you know, ten years old, you're on a sort of the you know, reception for talent. Basically, that's what the show's about. Yeah, and you're getting judged by people like like, um, oh, I'm forgetting names now. But Anthony, yeah, Android Webber, yeah. John Barrowman, yeah. Denise like, Van Outen, yeah. like mega stars. We're yeah. talking about like global stars. Graham now. Norton was presenting. I, it's yeah. mega. It's like, and you know, the reason why didn't I forgot to turn my chair off? Our trips that could have been terrible. Yeah. I mean, like, I could have started t- the podcast. <laughs> could have injured you. Like, over. Imagine I just drove right into your legs and that was it. <laughs> we could start. A, we could start a couple tag team. Yeah, yeah, yeah sounds good, mate. <laughs> um, anyway, back to the point. Uh, you know, a lot of people talk about. That the idea of somebody being in that kind of limelight that yeah. early has been sort of a negative thing, having a negative impact. What kind of impact did it have on you? Um, man, you know, I see at the time I was just you just you just go with the flow when you when you're young like that. Ten, like I said, ten years old when I auditioned for it. I was on TV every week for three months. It was like BBC One prime time. It was like six million viewers every week. You know, but when you're a kid. You don't really think of all that stuff. You're just having a good time and you just, I just got into it by chance. You know, I'd done a couple of shows before, a couple of musical theater shows in Bristol, at like the Bristol Hippodrome, which is a big theater, 2000 seats, you know? So I was in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And then when my parents found out about this, I do anything thing, they said I should audition for it. Um, like thousands and thousands of kids auditioned. And I went up with my mom to audition in London and there was a bunch of callbacks. I kept going back and back until there's less and less people. And then obviously I was one of, 12 boys selected to be on it after like three, 4,000 people auditioned for it, I think. Wow. But yeah, just if everything happened so fast, it just felt normal. And that was, what I just, at the time, that was what I was doing. I was doing musical theater. I auditioned for it. I, I got the part and then I just sort of went with the flow, but I don't really think it had much impact on me. I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was cool. I was doing something different. You know, all the other kids are at school uh, Monday to Friday and I'm like, in London, living in this mansion, like I'm on TV every week. So I thought it was cool. I enjoyed it. And um, if anything, I think it, it helped me later on in life. 
you know, obviously I had to, you have to sort of mature at a young age when you're, when you're doing something like that, when you're, you know, working essentially, working five days a week. Uh, so we're rehearsing five days a week. We're recording one day a week. You know, it's a full-time job when you're 10 years old. Um, so I think it, it helps you mature. And for me, anyway, I felt it toughens you up later on in life. Like I think when I was a kid, especially back then, like people online, stuff like that, people were savage, um, you know, and stuff people would say would be horrible. Uh, especially when you're a kid, like reading stuff like this. So I think when you read stuff like that, when you're a kid, it sort of hardens you up for, for, for future. But I didn't, I was always confident in myself. I've even since I was that age, I never really cared much what people thought about me. I was happy with what I was doing. Like I, I thought I was doing something cool. So it didn't, uh, it didn't bother me, but I could see how, how it would uh, affect some people. But no, I think it set me up for later on in life and especially for wrestling. I think if I could accredit anything to help me with my wrestling career, it would be that my my start in show business and musical theater, you know, cause I was already a performer by the time I started wrestling. I've been doing this since I was nine years old. So I was, I was used to that. So I think it's, if anything, yeah, it's just helped me later on in life and in, in all aspects of life uh, as well as wrestling. Well, it's really interesting. Cause I feel like it could make somebody crumble or it could make them stronger. And it's yeah, just for sure. Made you stronger. You know, is that, is that a route you think will be more common in wrestling? Maybe cause there's a lot made out of the idea that, you know, you get, People that go into wrestling and they go into acting. Yeah. But you actually started really early in the musical theatre. Yeah. Which seems like the perfect sort of training for for dealing with the audience and wrestling. Yeah. Especially the audience as chaotic as ICW, you know? Yeah, man, it definitely helps. Like I said, like by the time I started wrestling, I was used to performing and shows in front of two, 3,000 people like regularly. I, I worked from the age of nine to 15, sort of like nonstop. I was just working, uh, whether it's like theater or TV, film, you know, and theater's long. So sometimes I'll be doing a show for six months, for nine months. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a full-time job. Um, but yeah, it really helped having that experience in front of crowds because a lot of people, when they come into wrestling, you know, they've never had that experience. You know, they've, they've, just, they've just gone to school and this is their first time in, in front of the crowd. So I, I felt it just gave me an advantage because I was already used to, to being in front of a crowd. So I didn't have like nerves as much, you know, I sort of knew what I was expecting with a live crowd, but at the same time, it's also a completely different crowd, you know, wrestling mm -hmm. to theater, theater, people are nice, you know, they, they clap when they're told to clap, you know, whereas yeah. wrestling's, <laughs> wrestling's a bit more unpredictable, you know, you know, if, if, if you're in a theater show, you know, like you, you do it, every claps mm -hmm. or you don't get someone like shouting at you mm -hmm. saying you suck or whatever. So well, it's I'm a completely different experience as well, but. I've been to those ICW shows, man. It's not. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a ruthless fan, mate. You they, know? They, they, if you, you mess show, up, they're going to let you know. You show any kind of weakness whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when you're a kid in musical theatre, the audience, you know, they just you get away with it. Yeah. I just think it's something that, you know, you don't really see many wrestlers have that kind of route. And obviously, I don't think it was necessarily planned for you going to be a wrestler. But that was obviously a passion you've had from a really early age. Yeah. And then you decide you, you could have probably went on to have a really successful career in theater. Yeah. With that really good start. Cause a lot of people don't get that kind of start, but you've obviously been really used to the spotlight from a really young age. And then at the age of 18, you know, deciding that I'm going to go, uh, I've seen it for the wrestling school open in Scotland. I'm going to go down and do this. That's a really bold move to make for yeah. an 18 year old. How did that decision come about? And what did you, what did your parents think of it? Man, it was, it was a crazy decision, but, um, it was a decision I always knew I was going to make. So I never, I never, me in a musical theater, being an actor, that was never my dream. That was never something I came up with. It was just, when I was growing up, I used to love Disney films, stuff like that. Um, and I'd sing along and my, my mom and dad noticed that I had a good voice when I was younger. So when the, the first show I was in, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang came to town, 
um, at the Bristol Hippodrome. They're like, you should audition for this because you've got a really good voice. I'd never done any training. I'd never gone to any drama school or acting, you know, lessons on the weekend or anything like that. They just knew I had a good voice. So they said, you should audition for it. And I auditioned for like one of the ensemble parts. Um, so just like one of the kids, the sewer kids they were called. And then I ended up getting the main part, one of the two main kids, um, Jeremy and Jemima. Um, and I got one of them and then it just went from there. It just sort of snowballed. I just kept working, kept doing more stuff. I kept getting more jobs and stuff like that. And I get so sucked up in it, but I loved it. Um, I've had such a good time, such a cool childhood and got to do so many crazy, amazing things that a lot of people never get to do. And I'm doing them when I'm a little kid. But at the same time, I, I knew that what, that wasn't what I wanted to. I, I would have been happy, you know, uh, doing it for the rest of my life, but I still knew that what I really wanted to be was a wrestler. Um, I remember that was the first thing that I ever wanted to be. Um, was a wrestler and then a spaceman as well, you know. When I was a little kid, I liked wrestling and I liked Star Wars. Um, so I wanted, to, thing, really. I wanted to go to space um, and I wanted to be a wrestler. Um, and then, yeah, it got to a point when I was, I was 17, 18, um, and I, acting was going well for me. I was getting jobs. I was getting loads of auditions. Um, I, have, I got into some drama schools in London and I was thinking about going. But uh, I just knew that I, I, at the time I got really into wrestling. Like I'd always been a wrestling fan, but I remember then I got like really hardcore into wrestling. Was that because of the SCW documentary? Uh, yeah, that was what got me into independent wrestling. So I was always, always watch WWE, you know, I'd, I'd be watching at that point, I'd be watching Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, all the pay-per-views and that. And then, yeah, then I found out about independent wrestling. Started off by watching like Ring of Honor, like watching old Ring of Honor matches and stuff like that. And thinking, this is crazy. And then I've, I grew up watching TNA Impact as well. That was on Challenge. But apart from like WWE and TNA, I'd not really seen any other wrestling. And then that's when, when I watched Insane Fight Club and The British Wrestler, uh, I got into like British independent wrestling and American independent wrestling and just found out that there was so much more to it than just WWE and TNA. And I thought, wow, this is something maybe I could actually do when I seen about ICW. Because I thought wrestling in the UK was just like, you know, the tribute shows that are at like old sports centers and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, it's The Undertaker and Kane. It's like the people, I thought that's what British wrestling was. And then I seen clips of like ICW and I'm like, oh, this is, crazy you know this is like proper production value this is like a massive crowd like, this is proper proper wrestling um and i looked into it and i carried on became a fan of icw and that was when i seen about gpwa i seen about the training school and i knew like i was I mean, like i said i was still doing well in acting i was still getting loads of auditions i had like regular work uh but i just i knew that's what i wanted to do um and i knew it was the right time I had a bit of money saved up from some jobs i'd done um and i knew i wanted to use that to like move to glasgow and start a new life because I, I loved being in musical theater and I wouldn't change it for the world being musical theater acting. But what I always wanted to do is be a wrestler. And I knew that if I didn't try that, then I'd regret it for the rest of my life. Cause I knew that was, that was my dream and I had to pursue it. I felt like I'd, I'd had such a good life in theater, but I felt it was time to move on. And I was an adult and sort of do what I wanted to do, you know, um, and really give it a crack and I wouldn't change it for the world, you know? It's amazing. Cause I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, could have been so easy for you just to be, that's the safe route for me. Cause it's hard to get acting jobs. You yeah. know, I, I know a lot of people, you know, some good pals I mean are in that kind of industry and it's hard to get, you know, gigs anywhere and yeah. auditions anywhere. Never mind getting the level of roles you were getting. So to then say, this isn't really my passion. I want to go for my passion. It's, yeah. it's incredible. I always felt guilty because I felt like when I was, when I was younger, I was a lot more passionate about it. And then as I grew older and, and I sort of knew that what I wanted to do was, was wrestling. I felt like I'd lost the passion for it. Um, for acting and I felt like I wasn't putting in a hundred percent. 
And I feel like that was selfish because I feel like for a lot of people, that is their dream. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the people in acting, like wrestling, like you find like most wrestlers are people who have dreamed of being wrestlers their whole lives. Similar with acting, you know, most of these guys, they've dreamed of being actors their whole life. And like my heart wasn't really in it. I, was, I wasn't given it 100%. I was, you know, half ass in it. Um, so I felt selfish and I felt like, you know, if there's someone out there who wants to be an actor. That's their dream. But my dream, that's being a wrestler. So um, I, had to, I had to pursue that because I knew um, I would regret it if I didn't. For sure, mate. So, fast forward into 2018. Yeah, the big debut. With uh, you came in. You know what? One thing I really liked about this is I feel like a lot of up and coming wrestlers that end up doing really well debut in a similar sort of way as like an assistant to a wrestler. Like you look at um, guys like Batista. That whole story built up as his, he was like so sort of Triple H's henchman. And I just want to stop you and say I like the comparison of Batista. You know, obviously yeah. uh, two yeah. very similar guys, similar, <laughs> similar builds, similar physique. So yeah, it's a good comparison. The first, you know, is that that was the first time that I seen that sort of nailed because that kind of yeah. made him a star. But it was almost you almost didn't see it coming because it was such a gradual build and the fans just started to gravitate towards him. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened with you and the the group with Joe Henry. Yeah, he came in as an assistant. And it was, it's kind of crazy to think the fact that it was with Ked Evans and, and Ravy Davy. You know, obviously, the three of you have done really well and are yep. now prominent features. And, you know, he's the champion and you've just won the square goal. So it's crazy how factions like that tend to be successful with the right people. And you had a great sort of build up with him in the story. But something that I was quite curious about is as you make that transition, right? You know, wrestlers are quite known for the sort of tough personalities that they, they don't like people coming in and sort of i feel like in their minds disrespecting the industry or whatever and maybe part of my mind was thinking you know what what are these wrestlers thinking when a guy's coming from the musical theater and he's saying i want to wrestle for icw like who the fuck is this guy <laughs> you know was there a bit of was there a bit of animosity there was there a bit of you know this guy's been well known since he was like 10 years old and what you know did you have did you have any sort of People are like, I've got a chip on my shoulder, I've got a point to prove, and then you come in here and, and, and show these guys that I'm one of them and not an actor. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think I spoke about it much, to be honest, when I first when I first came up. Or if I did, I don't think I spoke about the sort of extent of, of what I was done as a kid. Um, like in, in my head, like to me, I was trying to start a new life and I was sort of trying to start fresh. So yeah, I, I didn't really talk about it much at first until I like came really good friends with people and then I'd sort of reveal more to them about like what I'd done. Cause I'd, like I tell people oh, I did, I did acting as a kid, but I don't really think people knew the extent of it. And then as I got closer with people, I've been here for a bit longer and I'd, I'd open up and sort of tell them the extent of what I'd done. And people would be like, Oh, that's crazy. I didn't realize, you know, that was what you yeah. do when you're a kid. Um, but no, like I think if anything, wrestling um, as a whole, the wrestling community is one of the most accepting communities there is. So uh, there wasn't any, never any issues like that at all. No. Um, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder, if anything, because I'd moved here from England, you know, so I felt like I needed to prove mm-hmm. something. I'd, I'd left everything behind. I'd moved here, you know, just on a whim. So I felt that's what I had to prove, you know, was that I was um, I was taking this seriously. But um, yeah, no, at the start, I didn't mention it much, you know, because yeah. I wanted to sort of uh, keep that part of my life separate, you know, sort of trying to build a new life. But Exactly. Somebody with a sandbag. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, but, but now I love talking about it, man. I think, <laughs> and I think when I do talk about it, whether that be fans or like fellow wrestlers, they find it interesting, you know, when they hear stuff I've done, they're like, oh, that's yeah. crazy. No, it's, it's crazy just because it's such a, I mean, in a lot of ways it really fits the transition, but you, you got a really good opportunity to work with a guy like Joe, you know, and that was sort of your first big feud. Yeah. 
like you obviously have been in big crowds but you know how did that did it take you long to adjust how did you feel getting involved in that with somebody who was already a well-established name and you must have known going into this is going to build up to this and i'm going to, going to have a chance but like what you know how did the nerves compare to you know doing a musical theater performance right now yeah d different i'd i'd say if anything i got more nervous wrestling I th for a number of reasons first of all i was older and when you're sort of older you're an adult you've matured a bit um things are different you know and you do get a bit more, more nervous because you're more worried about what people think as you as an adult whereas when i was a kid I, I don't remember ever getting nervous even my first ever show chitty chitty bang bang i remember the first night thinking i was gonna be nervous i wasn't really nervous man like i was I, was, I always felt natural going out there and I never felt the nerves. It wasn't only till I was an adult because he's sort of a bit more aware. Like, and I was nervous, um, especially with ICW. But coming in, I came in in like the best position, me and Joe. Like every, it was the perfect storyline for me to, to get involved with straight away. Because at the time, I'd only been wrestling maybe a year and a half, two years. So I wasn't in a position to be like an active wrestler on the ICW roster. But they gave me the opportunity to be a character um, alongside Joe to sort of add to his character, basically. Um, and it was perfect because I got to watch every week from the sidelines. You know, every match Joe did, I was ringside. Every backstage promo did, I was standing next to him. Uh, so everything he did, I, I copied. I, I picked up as I go on. It was like I was learning on the job. And it was so perfect because that, that first year, year and a half, you know, apart from like a hand, handful of like tag matches that me and Joe did, which are comedy matches, you know, where I wasn't really doing anything. Apart from that, I hadn't wrestled at all. I was just with Joe. But having that time to to grow and to learn and to just know what it's like to be in front of a wrestling crowd before I actually got to the wrestling side of things. And when I got to the wrestling side of things, it was so much more natural and so much more comfortable because I'd already been a character in front of the fans for over a year. Um, and I'd already been in front of the ICW like audience and the wrestling audience for over a year. So it helped me a lot when, um, you know, I eventually started wrestling more, doing singles competition and then coming like an active wrestler when I had the feud with Joe obviously after that I became like a full-time active member of the roster and because of the what I had with Joe I felt so ready for that when it came um and I if, if it was a year earlier or or if I didn't get to have that time with Joe I would have maybe not felt the same if I was sort of being thrust into a match I would have been nervous I would have not been in front of that crowd before um and I can yeah it can be intimidating like coming into a, a big a big company like that so I think what with Joe it was just perfect and it helped me so much and I, I credit that time with Joe when I wasn't wrestling uh really to my success in ICW because that was how I managed to to build a character you know I wasn't wrestling in the ring but I had all this time on screen with matches in promos and that's how I built this character so by the time I started wrestling I was already a character that people knew and and, and cared about it seems like a tried and trusted formula to make a star. I feel like, yeah, because you can train, you can, you can you can train wrestling moves and and cut promos and things like that. But actually being there and seeing somebody doing it at the the kind of top level of their game, which it was, it's, you can't really buy that anywhere else. It's sort of like a personal. It's like work experience, yeah. Except you're getting it from a really good level, and you know, I think that there's a lot of wrestlers are sort of thrown into things but you've always and the fact you're only i mean you're only 24 yeah it's like that's mental to me you know and the kind of icw sort of i mean they're not done yet by any means but sort of originals if you like like the cradles and jack dressers of the world you know sort of build this brand and then you're coming through and developing into this like you were almost it was almost like you and kez and guys like that were the next generation to come yeah. up and guys like Grado and that had done so well, 
you know, what was, I've always been curious as a fan, like the transition in the locker room and, 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 and how things have developed from when you first started to now, what kind of changes have you seen? And do you feel like there was like a kind of hunger? And Because as a fan watching it, you feel like you can see a real determination from guys like yourself in case they want to show that they can fill the boots of guys like Gado. Yeah. Um, because I'm sure everything you you talk about ICW is like, oh, that guy, that's where that guy Gado's from. Yeah, yeah, obviously you, I get and, that. <laughs> and you want it to be like, this is where that guy Lighting Buzzer's from. Yeah. You know, so what was it, what was it feeling like in the, the locker room in that time? Man, you know, it was two completely different locker rooms now. You know, really the, the only sort of people still left from that, uh, the locker room two years ago was BT Gun. Jack Jester, and then the sort of newer guys coming through at the time. So me, Kez Evans, Ravy Davey, Stevie James. So we were sort of that in-between batch. Now you've got all these new guys who just came into ICW uh, in the tapings and stuff. But uh, me and Davey and Kez, we were sort of this in-between generation, like in-between sort of the old ICW mm -hmm. originals. And then obviously now we've got this completely new, the the network era. We've got this sort of guys completely like new roster. Reed, you know? Yeah, guys like Jason Reed um, coming through, uh, young teams, stuff like that. Whereas me, Davey and Cares, we were sort of sort of in the, in the middle of all this. So we've mm -hmm. we've been part of both of the locker rooms. Um, but to me, I, I love the new locker room. And I think there's this sort of, there's this determination among everyone here to like put on the best product we can. Because if if anything, if now we've got the biggest audience that we've ever had, you know, we're broadcasting the WWE Network every, every, every week, you know, and to millions of homes. So now I think there's more pressure than ever to put on the best product we can. And we've got a great new new roster and all the guys are coming through and it's really shaping through into a roster. And we've all got this sort of mindset that we're trying to, we're trying to rebuild, you know. Uh, Grado, Jack Jester, all these people, they all started somewhere, you know, and built ICW to the company it was. And now obviously so much has changed in the wrestling landscape with major wrestling companies opening up, your AEWs, obviously in the UK, we've got NXT UK. So, so many of these guys and so many of these companies in the UK, these promotions, that the locker rooms, if you look at them now to two, three years ago, are completely different, completely different mm -hmm. rosters. So I think it's just um, a rebuild. Um, that's the sort of mindset this, this new uh, roster's got, this new locker room is just to give everything we can every week, you know, get people coming to ICW, get new fans coming to ICW, get old fans coming to ICW, just showing um, everyone like the product um, that we're trying to portray is it's, it's still an amazing wrestling product and everyone's giving it their all. Um, and like I said, I think we're rebuilding and we're going to build ICW to its, to its former heights. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree from what I've seen that the talent is off the charts for sure. Yeah. And you know, you can definitely see there's a like, connection as a group and that everybody's working, you're all working the same shows, trying to help each other. Yeah. And there seems to be like, you know, that real sort of, I think the old school wrestling mentality, you know, years gone by in WWE and different promotions like that has been like, I need to step on you to get to this spot. And I don't really feel that with this, you know, with this current trauma guys. And, yeah. You know, there seems to be like, I don't, you know, it's not like nobody's, nobody's, you know, trying to step on each other or, or try to help out. Yeah. And it's been really cool as a, as a fan who's, Obviously, that started my own training, and you can kind of get a glimpse into how hard everybody's working, and and I think that you know it's became a lot more athletic now yeah. than maybe it was when we were watching it back in like the attitude. I feel like it seems like there's more of an emphasis on the actual belt to belt work. For sure, man, it's a completely different uh, type of wrestling. But yeah, now you said it. It really is like this sort of rather than stepping on everyone. It's like a team atmosphere we've got, and 
everyone feels blessed that we've got this great position we're in where we're broadcast on the WWE network every week. Like, you know, it's really crazy to think about it. Like if, if you had said this to a, a wrestling fan five, six years ago, that in a few years time, ICW, an independent wrestling company from Glasgow is going to be like streaming every week on the WWE network. You'd call them crazy. You know, you'd be like, yeah, that's not going to happen in a million years, is it? So the fact this is even happening is so crazy and so crazy to think about. Um, and it, but yeah, it's just such a, such a good platform for, for wrestlers to show themselves. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just this great mentality when we're all just trying to put on the best product we can and, you know, um, make the product the best it can be. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, we talked about how when you were younger, that you would see kind of WWE and TNA. And I, I think there was like that kind of casual fan sort of thing where they have this perception of what wrestling is. And I went to my first sort of ICW shows last year and they've been Iron Gordon shows as well. And, you know, people don't actually realise how good these wrestling matches are. I was blown away by every every match from the first match to the last. It, it, all of you are really, really good, you know. And, yeah. Uh, and I, I don't think... I don't think you could have said that about the Indies 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, you know, it is a completely different scene. But there's so much talent now. Right. And like I said, the shows ICW's been putting on have been great. And it's felt amazing to be back, especially just, just to be back. Obviously, we went through the, you know, the lockdown era. Mm -hmm. And just to have the fans back has made such an amazing difference. Like these last, the last few big shows we've ran, barred the most recent one, man, I had so much fun at that. Like being back at the garage, sold out at the garage, the fans went crazy. Um, the garage is like, to me, that's, that's ICW's home. So it felt so good to be back at the garage. Before that, the Square Go, obviously, SWG3, such a great venue. And then obviously the Barras before, Fear and Loathing, my first time wrestling in the Barrowlands. To have these sort of, these big shows coming back, Shugs coming up as well. It's felt amazing. And just having the fans back has been such a difference. And yeah, I think the, the product we're putting on is amazing. And, and, and all the guys, you know, they're putting in a graph and they're wanting to put on the best show possible for all the fans. Yeah, I always think that's an important thing to point out just because, you know, fans what fans have a perception of wrestling and it's important to be like, you know, these guys are grafting, these men and women are grafting every day to get better and probably yeah. the best show they can. And, you know, it must have been particularly strange for you not, have to, not, not to have the crowd there just because you've had a crowd your whole life pretty much. Yeah. So, like, did you have to sort of adjust your mindset for that time period? Yeah, it was different. It was different. I think I was one of the few people that enjoyed it. I quite liked it with no fans because um, I felt like uh, I felt like I was used to that because it was like it was like acting. You know, there was no fans there, but they were, the cameras are rolling. And, you know, rather than when you're wrestling in front of the fans, you're going to be wrestling to the fans. You're going to be like playing to the fans. But when you're wrestling and it's just a camera, you're playing to the camera. So to me, that was like acting because everything I'm doing, I'm doing to the camera. And I was able to engage more because I wasn't focusing on a crowd that wasn't there. You know, it was all my focus was on the camera. So I really enjoyed it. And I felt that it really helped me add like another layer to my character. Um, and having all these amazing matches, some of my best matches I've ever had, I would say, like some of my best feuds were in front of no fans. So I actually, you know, really enjoyed it at the time. But, you know, I wouldn't want to go back to it. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it at the time. And I was very grateful that when all this crazy stuff was going on in the world, I was still allowed to do what I love. And I was still allowed to wrestle and be on the WWE Network every week. So... Um, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was crazy, but, um, obviously now we've got the fans back, you know, I wouldn't go back to it now. Like the fans do make the show at the end of the day, the fans are a part of the show. I enjoyed it whilst we were doing it and it was good fun, but 
wrestling without the fans, it's not really wrestling, you know, to me. I think mm. the, 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 the fans, the audience, they're just a bigger part of the show as the wrestlers are, or as, as anyone is. For sure. I mean, I was watching, because um, I knew we'd be talking about wrestling, so I found myself watching some old stuff, and Eddie Guerrero, man, I was watching that uh, addiction promo. Yeah. Such a yeah, so man, he's one of the best. He's so good. He should be in the conversation for goat, man. He, yeah, for a lot of people, uh, he is. Unreal. You know? like, uh, and you forget these things, but guys like that paved the way for guys like yeah. yourself. And, and it's just. The sugar guy, yeah, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, all these guys coming through. Mysterio. Man. Yeah, it was uh, crazy. I don't know if you've seen the other day on. Uh, I just popped up on my Twitter. It was a clip from Raw and mm -hmm. Rey Mysterio did the tribute to Eddie. He did the. Uh, yeah, he did I, the chair, took I the bump. Him. Uh, Finn had the chair. He turned around. Oh, DT. I, I thought that, that was awesome. That is something that I have to do in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nah, it's, it's a great spot. It's just brilliant. Yeah, like you said, these guys, these guys paved the way for for guys like us to come through. So you know, your ICW journey continued on winning the you know the the G division. Is that, am, I, am I saying that zero G division? Zero, yeah. G, zero division G title. Title, um, which for context for your casual fans is like the ICW equivalent with the I. Uh, Intercontinental belt or the US belt type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you beat a really good wrestler in was it Josh? Of oh, oh, Liam Thompson. Oh, Liam Thompson. LT. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm getting him the mixed bad up. boy. Liam Thompson, who who had been on a who had been on a um, pretty big run at the time, so it was yeah. quite a big rub for you to get that win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how did it feel to get your first championship belt in ICW? Man, it was awesome. Um, when I first moved up to Scotland, that was my goal. Like my my long term goal was to be Sergi champion. Um, cause when I got into ICW and I started watching the fight clubs, I remember one of the first matches I remember watching and thinking, man, this is crazy. Like, this is where I want to be was Kenny Williams versus Noam Dar. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember watching this and all these zero G division matches. I'm thinking, this is crazy. I'm looking at them. I'm thinking, oh man, these guys are probably the same height as me. You know, they're not much, much bigger than me. Obviously at the time I was, you know, tiny. So they're bigger than me, but I'm thinking height wise, like I could, I could, if I put in some size, I could be like these guys here. Um, so that's for me when I moved up here, being a smaller guy, that was my goal was to win the Zero Championship. So, so to win that, I felt like I'd in a way accomplished what I moved here to do. And that was, it was a crazy experience. And uh, to wrestle Liam Thompson, he's one of my favorite people to wrestle, one of my favorite opponents. He's one of the best wrestlers in Scotland. I hope he comes back soon. Um, but we had, this, we had this match at an ICW show in the Asylum. Back then it was called Gonzo. Um, it was the first Gonzo show and me and Liam Tom Thompson were in the main event for the ICW Zero G title. Um, it was my first time wrestling for the championship. I just beat Joe Hendry and James Storm at Chuck's house party. So I was on a roll and this was it, my shot for the Zero G title. And we went nearly 25, nearly 30 minutes. Um, it was crazy. It was the longest match I'd ever wrestled at that point. We just kept going. Um, and I didn't win. Liam won, Liam won the match. He won the Zero G title. You know, that was it. And then I carried on my pursuit to win it. Um, and eventually I won a number one contendership match to wrestle Liam Thompson at the square go for the ICW title, the Zero G title. But then um, in a shock twist on the that same episode that I won the number one contendership, Liam at the time had been doing a Zero G open challenge every week. Um, so everyone thought I was wrestling him at sh uh, square go for the title. But he did the open challenge later on in the same show, the same show that I became number one contender and I accepted the open challenge. Um, I came out, I said, I'm not waiting till the square go. I'm doing it now. I'm cashing it in now at the garage. Um, it was the last show before Christmas. It was the last show before Christmas, the last one of the year. Was that the Via Low Blow? Yeah, so December and that was it. Was Come the, back here, man. Shot so I, ca I came out, I accepted the open challenge, even though I'd already won the number contendership. Mm. We, uh, we had a great match, one of my favorite matches. And then 
Uh, I couldn't get the job done. I hit him with everything I could. I hit him with a 450 splash and he kicked out. The first and only person to kick out at the time. I'll um, be the same. Uh, yeah, at the time, he was the first person who'd ever kicked out the 450. Um, or no, one more. Joe did at Shug's house party. Oh. But that was it. So he, was he was number two. <laughs> um, and he kicked out. I didn't know what to do. So yeah, I hit him with a low blow and that was the turn. Uh, the the gradual turn into the uh, the dark, sinister, latent buzzard that people yes. came to know in, in lockdown. And, you know, it's it's really impressive how you've been able to sort of be really in tune with the audience in terms of what they are expecting from you. But that title, for me, you know, for you it must have been, like, as a fan I'm watching it and I'm going, this is like the title they give to the guy they think can go the best. Yeah. You know, like if we need to put on a... a a great match is in a crowd home happy. We're gonna give you this belt to do that. Yeah. Um. It was sort of the work the workhorse belt, if you like. And I think that the to get that, given it was held get by guys like Noam Dar and things like that, yeah. was a big vote of confidence in you. Man, for sure. And what was a really cool moment for me, what I got to do when I was Zero G champion is one of my defences was actually the main it was the next Gonzo show and it was actually the main event and I wrestled Kenny Williams was the challenger for my Zero G Championship in the main event. Wow. Um, and I successfully defended the title against Kenny in the main event of this show. Um, and he was, he was already, already in the next UK at this point. And um, yeah, I just, I thought it was so cool because like I said, that that was one of the reasons I moved up here to to try and win the Zero G Championship because I seen the matches with Kenny and Noam, obviously when Kenny was Zero G champ. So to then be the, cha to then be the champion, Mm. And have Kenny Williams as like the challenger to my Zero G title. That was uh, that was a really cool moment. Um, How quickly do you go from I've accomplished this as an amazing, and then like how what's the the transition like you know mean to go I've accomplished my goal, and then like a week later you're thinking now it'd be ICW World Champion. Yeah, <laughs> like, is that like how quickly did your mind go to that place of like okay what's next? Yeah. Oh, well, I've always been like that. I've always been like, I set myself a goal. And then, yeah, as soon as I accomplished that goal, it's always what's next. I've, like, since I was a little kid, since I was nine years old, like, since I started in the, in the, in this, this game, since I started with the, the musical theater and the acting, I've always thought, what's next? I've never been satisfied. So I won the Zero G Championship and then I lost it back to Liam Thompson at the Square Go, uh, 2021. No, 2020. And then, Less than a month later, we were in lockdown. Um, so I, I never got my rematch. You know, I was, mm. I was I was scheduled to get my rematch for the Zero G title. Hopefully, win it back. I think I think I would have. I think I would have won it back. But then, yeah, less than a month after I lost it, obviously we went into complete global shutdown. Um, and then when we started doing the tapings, and you know, obviously the the NXT UK guys, then they weren't allowed to do the ICW tapings because they were doing the NXT UK tapings. And obviously at the time it was all to do with bubbles. So they were all in like their bubbles and they weren't to leave that. And we were all in our, in our bubbles. Like we'd have specific groups of people that we would film with. So, um, and you're only allowed to film with a certain amount of people at the time. So the NXT UK guys weren't allowed to like mix mm -hmm. outside of NXT UK and vice versa for ICW. You know, we had to stay within ICW, within these groups because obviously the laws were very strict and it had to be done. Everything had to be done a certain way. But then what it meant is like half of the ICW roster was basically gone, if if, if not more. So uh, when we we came back for these tapings, um, it was only, like I said, guys like myself, Kez Evans, 
Ravy Davy, and then as as the newer guys, and then the only real people at the time who uh, weren't signed were still out to wrestle: BT Gun, Stevie Boy, uh, Jack Jester. So, like I said, we, we had that key group of people, but then we needed to find uh, needed to find like a, a whole new roster of people to to come in and wrestle for ICW. So that was when sort of all the um, all the new guys started coming in, and we had this this sort of chance to to build a new roster. And I think we came up with something really special. And like the, where we are now compared to where we were, you know, at the, the start of those tapings and how we've come so far, it's really, really cool to see, to see the journey. You know, in wrestling terms, taking out the tragic of a whole world event, it's probably a blessing in disguise because you've been able to grow yeah. this new crop of talent. Yeah, and I felt that's really when I started thinking about the, the World Heavyweight Championship was when we came back from lockdown, obviously before I was more like, like, like a, a mid-tier guy. But I was like at the top, like I said, I won the zero G championship. So I was well on my way, mm. but I was still sort of, you know, sticking with the zero G. I was sort of in that division there. But then when the lockdown happened and we were doing these tapings, I then saw this opening to reinvent myself and to become a top guy. And, you know, which is always what I envisioned myself as being since I was a little kid. Like when you grow up, you want to be the best. That's what you want to be. Like, obviously you want to be intercontinental champion. But yeah. really, you you want to be WWE champion, don't you? You want to be world heavyweight champion. You want to be the main guy. Mm. Um, so when I had this all this extra time, I was then positioned as one of these one of the top guys, um, and I took the ball and I ran with it, you know. And I I reinvented myself, you know. I physically, mentally, I just I you know really tapped into a new side of myself and started showing to people in ICW and to the fans watching that I could be a main event level talent, you know, which is what I believed I was. And um, lockdown gave me the platform to do that. You know, I was I main evented more shows than anyone um, in the lockdown era um, on the ICW Fight Club tapings. Week after week, I'm putting on 20 minute plus main events with BT Gun, Andy Wilde. I'm doing 60 minute Ironman matches. You know, like yeah. I, I I was going to show everyone that you know I'm the next guy. That I'm I'm the top guy in this company, the top guy in Scottish wrestling. Um, and I believe that's what I've done. That's what I've shown everyone. And I'm just one step away, baby. You know, I've got the briefcase. I've got my shot. Well, now it's up to me. You know, you know I get to I get to choose when. That does seem to be the opinion. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, when I said that you were coming on, have said to me, you know, that this guy is the best in Scotland. And it must be a really surreal thing to have people, you know, have your colleagues say that about you and not actually believe that you are the best. And you took the ball and ran it. But you talked about your improvement, like physically and your own personal journey. Like, you know, wrestling. Doing wrestling and loving wrestling is one thing. Yeah. But the commitment to have to improve yourself, like, I think a lot of people don't necessarily realise what's the level of work ethic that's required from the jump of, if you, if you want to show them you can be a main event guy, you know, you, you dedicate, you've posted it on Instagram how you've improved physically, you've been working and training hard. And obviously during that period of the pandemic, it was like, that kind of maybe give you the, give you the time and to... to plan out how you were going to do this but in terms of the actual mental toughness for your in your mind like was there a moment where you were like hey, i'm going to dedicate myself in the gym and and because everyone always said it's a work that people don't see yeah that makes you a main eventer and you don't just turn up one day and you can wrestle 20 minute matches yeah yeah you know, i've 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 been in the ring a little bit and i can tell you this right now the cardio you need for that stuff is unreal yeah like, I, i've done a thousand k in a month for chai like, and it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, doing a thousand kilometers in 30 days, right? But see, like, a half an hour, like, session in the ring, like, you're taking bumps and you're running about. Yeah. 
We're not not running about, but you're crawling about. Man, not, not many people can. Um, you know, it's a, it's a specific it's, still to it to wrestle these long matches. And it's so, I mean, it's it's really something that I feel like you should be getting more credit for as wrestlers yeah. as a whole. It's it's incredible stamina that's required. But you know, a lot of guys maybe you know they they work out too much. And there was a great quote from Batista that Gavin mentioned earlier. You know. It's very much like <laughs> as we said. Yeah, yeah. Um, Such similar guys. Obviously. Exactly. You know, if you do if you do half as well as him, man, you'll be yeah, 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 I'll be happy with that. <laughs> but he was saying about how you know um, strength is like longness in the sense that if you if you're if you just lift weights and you don't get basically he was saying you don't get strong by lifting weights, you get lot you get strong by stretching. Yeah. So you're doing get stiff, and you know. You see a lot of wrestlers that, because now it's such an athletic sport, it's you know if you go if you go and have a match, it doesn't it doesn't have a thing from the top rope, it doesn't have a you know four fifty smash. It's like oh why didn't you know that was kind of boring that kind of match. It's like you can't really have those sort of middle of the ring. I'll hit you and you hit me and we'll kind of go five ten minutes. Yeah, it needs to be crazy. And I always thought in my head like you know you're going to have. There's going to be like a spring, or there's going to be like things you can use to help you do this, but it's pure athleticism. Yeah. And and so, how difficult was it? Was it for you as you're as you're realizing? So I want to progress. I want to be a main eventer. But how did I find a balance between working out the right way to get to that level? Like, what what were the steps for you to figure out the right routine for you to get to where you wanted to be? Well, I think. Training wise, I would say it was in lockdown when that that sort of switch really uh, really changed for me. And it was when when I found out through ICW that these tapings were happening, and we maybe got told two three months before it. And then just a couple of weeks after, the gyms reopened in Scotland. Um, obviously, everything had been shut for six months, so everyone doing these crappy home workouts, you know. And you know, obviously, everyone got sloppy, and everyone's been sitting on the sofa for the last six months playing video games and eating food because you can't leave the house. You couldn't do anything, you know, and everyone was in the same boat. But when the gyms opened back up and I got told these tapings are happening, I was like, that's it. Like, I'm I'm going to show everyone that I'm, I'm, I'm the best and that I can be the best and that I can be that guy. That I've, I've been the zero G champion, but now I want to show people that I could be the top guy in the company, you know, with or, with or without the title. It was To me, it wasn't so much about being World Heavyweight Champion. It was about showing that I was the one of the top wrestlers in the company and one of the people that was going to carry this company going forwards. Um, sorry, just lost my, uh, lost my train of thought there. So yeah, so that was um, training wise. That was what I was saying. Yeah. So, so training wise, that was when it changed for me because I, I didn't have anything else on, you know, there wasn't any other shows. It wasn't like I was wrestling every weekend. Um, all there was was these tapings and nothing else. So I, I was going to the gym every day, like, I remember I went to the gym for like three months straight and I didn't have like one rest day. Um, wow. I remember I had this, I had this calendar with all these tick boxes. I drew up this calendar and I ticked it off every time I went to the gym and I did like a whole three months, like without missing the gym once. I was like, right, I'm, I'm just, this is what I'm going to do. So I just dedicated my life um, to going to the gym and training. To, so when I came back, I was going to be the best wrestler I could be. Uh, at the time, Wolfgang, had Iron Gerda's gym, which luckily is my local gym. I live five minutes away from the gym. Um, he had it before lockdown, but it was just the gym. And then in lockdown was when he bought the wrestling ring. So then obviously I had the ring at Gerda's to use. So I was training twice a day. So I was getting up in the morning. I was having breakfast. I was going to Iron Gerda's and I was training in the ring. And then I was coming back home 
I was making my food. I was going to work because at the time I was, I was, I was working a, a job as well because, you know, it's the pandemic has got to make money. And then I was going to the gym after work as well, for two, three hours to, to train strength, strength and conditioning, weight training. And I'm doing that every day for, for three months, twice a day. And I'm, that, that's, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to give everything so that when I come back, I'm given the best possible version of myself. We're being given this big platform to wrestle on the WWE network. And I'm going to make the most of it. You know, I'm going to show everyone that's watching around the world that, you know, this I'm Leighton Buzzard and I'm here, you know, this is what I do. And I'm going to be the top guy in this company. It's an incredible work ethic, mate, because I love going to the gym and during lockdown, I had a similar sort of thing where I was like, get my own home workout stuff and I'm like, I'm going to just get in here and, you know, become the best version of myself, basically yeah. become as fit as I can be. But to go to the gym twice a day in that level and then you're also adding in being in the ring as well, which yeah. isn't, you know, there's a lot of aches and pains just from doing wrestling training on its own. Yeah. Never mind doing two buckets as well as that as well as working a job so you know that's a really important part of the story for me because you know people like they just watch the shows and like one day you turned up and win the square goal it doesn't work like that no you you put in a graft and 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 that's where that's where it is a sport because the hardest workers get the best spots yeah man yeah. From, from the minute i wake up to the minute i go to sleep my life is wrestling i get up i have breakfast straight away i have six meals every day I, I train at the gym every, every day. Like this is, this is, this is what I do. This is what I dedicate my life to. And I, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't change that, but you know, it is like, that's what I said. That's what well, the work, the work outside of wrestling that people don't see, you know, that's exactly. what, that's what uh, splits people apart. You know, that's what makes the difference. Exactly. I think it was important to talk about your own personal journey there. Yeah. And there was a specific moment for me when I watched you and thought this guy's going to be a star. Um, and it was one of the ICW teams late last year, uh, the building of the square goal and you're coming out to talk about being part of the square goal yeah um and you know i was in that crowd and that crowd that night was, was a lot of the promo right when i was, ta yeah, I was talking about winning yeah, the square goal yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. There, was, there was a very hostile crowd that night i remember that um in terms of they were, you know they, they weren't very really giving yeah and um you know i've not been to many icw shows just out of purely I didn't know Dallas at the time and I kind of felt scared because I didn't know if the wheelchair could get in and such like that. But once I got to know Dallas, he invited me to the shows and things like that and that was not a lot of fun. But you came out, <laughs> you're talking to the crowd and it's like you kind of finish what you're saying. And you, I know, I could feel and you could, I could feel that you could feel that the crowd didn't quite, weren't quite responding the way that you've, the way that, the way that the, you know, you'd want them to. And because I could, you could see that you were sort of finished and I could see that you were not happy with how it went. And then you just took the microphone back up and for like five minutes just went on this incredible rant about how you're the best wrestler and you're going to win this way go. But it wasn't what you were saying, it was how you were saying it. Yeah. It was like, it was from your soul. It was like you could feel the work, you know, the, the work that you just described there, you could feel it coming through from you. Yeah. And that's what... Like that—that's what wrestling's all about. So I like—I didn't know exactly the amount of work you put in, but I knew when I heard that how much effort that you were doing because only guys that are putting in that that are dedicating their life to it can talk like that. Yeah. And see when you did that, I thought that was incredible because the crowd were the crowd got right by like by the end of it they were like Leighton Buzzard man. Yeah, you know? well, that's what it was in my so in my head that was the last the last show before the square go. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and at the time I was in this sort of transition, this transition of my character when it was just happening naturally, like more and more people were starting to cheer me again. Um, and I always had this, even when, so I, when I was obviously throughout lockdown, throughout the tapings as a, as a heel, as a top heel in the company, uh, myself, Kez Evans, you know, like we were really sort of, um, trying to, trying to be the, the top guys in the company, you know, cause there was that, that, that spot was open. Um, but then when the fans came back, um, you know, you tend to find that fans appreciate good work. So I've been, a I've been portraying this heel character for, for a while now, but then the fans, they, they, they appreciate that. And they appreciate the hard work I put in, even though I'm a bad guy and I'm doing horrible things and I'm, you know, kicking guys in the balls and raking eyes and raking backs, you know, uh, fans, they appreciate hard work. So naturally more and more, I always had the sort of the group of people who cheered me anyway, like you find when you've been doing it for a, for a while, like you, you have fans. So even if you're a, a heel, even if you're a baby face, those fans are going to cheer you anyway. But when the fans came back to the tapings, naturally more and more fans started cheering me. Um, but when, when the square go was about to happen, but I still knew that a lot of fans were on the edge. It was still sort of 50, 50. Mm. It's like I, I had my group of, Loyal fans that had, you know, followed my journey from when I was with Joe Hendry. So they're going to cheer me no matter what, you know, whether I'm a good guy or a bad guy. But then I had this sort of new group of fans, like, who had got into it through the tapings and started coming to the asylum tapings. And they were sort of still on the fence about me because I was still being displayed as a good guy, kicking guys in the balls and all this. And I knew this was my last chance to 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 win over the fans, all the fans before the square go. Um you know, I said to myself, my head, you know, I, was, I, was, I walked in that promo as a heel. I said, I'm going to be a baby. I'm going to say to myself, I'm going to be a, ba a baby face by the end of this promo. Um, it, I just it, said it. I was walking out there. I was like, right, it's 50-50 now. Square goes next week. I need to have everyone 100% behind me. I said, by the end of this promo, I'm going to be a face. And I was. Like I said, I, I, I came back. Yeah, maybe it didn't go the way I wanted. I said, fuck this, man. I'm coming back. Sorry, I don't know if I can swear. Uh, I said, I'm, no, you I'm, can. I'm, okay, right, cool. <laughs> I was like that. I came back, I grabbed the mic first, I cut the music and, you know, I, I, I didn't plan any of that promo. I just said what came to me. And you, I find that with a lot tell. of my promos. I just but, said, spoke true from the heart. And I, by the end of that promo, everyone was chanting Leighton Buzzards and everyone was ready for me to win the square go. You could tell that it came, none of that was, it was all from your heart. Because it was just, it was this natural energy in the room. When I was like, this guy's winning the square goal. Yeah. Like, this guy's definitely winning the square yeah. goal. You believe something enough, it'll happen, you know? Yeah. And I needed everyone in there to believe that I was winning the square go. So to me, I have to believe that I'm winning the square go. And if I believe that I'm winning the square go, they're going to believe me too. And I think For that's sure. that's why they did. And that's why people believed I could do it because I had so much passion that they said, you know what? This exactly. guy can win the square go. But th that's the difference between the guys that kind of stay in the, maybe in the mid card and get to the main event is a lot of guys would have cut, because the problem you the promo that you cut was a good promo up until that point. Yeah. The crowd just weren't in the mood to listen to it. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. And a lot of people would have just been, been like, oh, okay, it wasn't my best, I'll just leave it, you know. But, yeah. But, but you, you showed that you wanted it now, not later. Yeah. And, and it was really cool with a fan that I obviously look at, I've been watching wrestling a long time and I'm very much into just the detail of everything and I could tell I was like, this guy is good and he's going to win. He's going yeah. to win the square I mean, go. If you, watch, if you watch the square go, man, you wouldn't be able yeah. to tell that the week before I was a heel. Exactly. You know, like, and that, that's, but that's what a true, you know, top main event I can do. Like, like perfect example we talked about, like, guys like Eddie Guerrero could, yeah. could despise him one minute exactly. and love him the next. Yeah. It was like, and, that, and guys like that, they're, they're who I base my career off. Guys, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, these guys that can reinvent themselves at any moment. They mm. can be, whatever you need them to be. They're a chameleon, you know, like Chris Jericho can be any character in the world and he'll make it work. You know, like 
The amount of times he's reinvented himself it's every crazy. time has been a success. Crazy, he can be the most hated person on the roster. He can be the most loved person on the roster. And he chooses when and how, you know, it's, it's in the palm of his hand, mm. you know, to, and to have that control over the audience has always, has always been a goal of mine. And like I say, Eddie, guys like Eddie and Chris Jericho, to me, they're the best at this, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, he, I mean, you're talking about Chris Jericho, I was speaking about this the other night, like everything you think he's done, he does something else. Yeah. And, you know, one of the best things he said I've read was that he was saying he, he changes it before it becomes stale. Yeah. And you seem to be really on the pulse of, but the only reason, the, the biggest reason why you're able to do that though is because you've put in that work, you know, that nobody sees. Yeah. For that, for that three to six months where the world was going to shit and you were just in there grafting. Because it, it's... You you know, I've recently had a lot of health problems last year and, and this is me kind of getting back into my sort of where I want to be because I'm also on this journey where I want to be involved in wrestling. And and it's when you're doing these workouts and you're going really intense and everything's sweaty, you realise like this, these moments where you're like, oh, I don't want to do, I don't want to do the next three sets. I've done loads of sets. I could just leave these next three sets. Yeah. But you, it's like... the the wee decisions to do those things and then le leaving the gym with nothing left yeah. is what gets you to that stage where you're like, I'm going to take this microphone yeah. and, and show this crowd. Man, people, people see pictures of you at the gym and stuff and they presume, oh, he must love going to the gym, you know. <laughs> they see pictures of you like, he must love it. That's why he's at the gym, man. Mate, nine times out of ten, I hate going to the gym, you know. Like, <laughs> it's not fun. But it's, no, it's just not, you know. I don't, I'd much rather be sitting at home eating junk food, watching Stranger Things. But, you know, I'm not. If I want to be the best, I've got to train like the best. I've got to live like the best. I've got to be the best. So, uh, yeah, like people, it's easier to think. You see pictures of people training at the gym and all that. They put pictures up all the time. They think, oh, he must love going to the gym. You know, I don't. I don't want to be at the gym. I, I have to, you know. And, um, to, to be the best, you do have to. You need to you need to be able to go to the gym when you don't want to go to the gym, you know. Mm -hmm. It's easy to go to the gym if you want to, you know. If you're buzzing about going to the gym, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I can't wait to go to the gym. I can't wait to go and train. That's easy. You know, what's not easy is, you know, when you've got to be up at a stupid time so you can go to the gym before work and you don't want to go to the gym or you've got to get up and you feel tired and you feel run down and you still got to go to the gym. You know, that's, mm. that's when it's, to me, that's when it's important. Anyone can do something they enjoy doing, but forcing yourself to do something that you don't enjoy and forcing yourself to do something that you don't want to do, that's what sets people apart. 100%. I mean, that the days that you don't feel like it are the days that make you a champion. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, you could have... All these different things and different talents, but it comes down to the just the hard work and the graft, and it's amazing to see how well you've done. Thank but you, man. I think I've kissed your ass enough today. Yeah. <laughs> see, moving on to current events, yeah. right? Because I think this is what people are, you know, they're like, when is he going to talk about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. coming up here, right? Um, but you've over, you've watched it yourself. You're considered one of the best, and now, you know, what about you've got to square go. And then you're going to fight in the King the King of Zanity match against one of the one of the best also in Scotland, BT Gunn, who's been there, done it. You know, he's he's a veteran of the game. And um I see the King's the the Zanity match is right, you know, it's a different kind of thing. And uh, I was actually have been kind of writing pro promoting things for myself. Yeah. Uh, you know for the idea of what would I want to do if I was going to be doing this and one of the things was like the idea that like you know 
I'm in a wheelchair, right? So people are like, How's that guy going to have a wrestling match if he can't walk or run? Yeah. And my whole my whole ethos is that like if you can't even run away from something, you need to just stay and fight. Yeah, man, there's a guy, there's a guy yeah. I seen online, right? He's a wrestler. He's got no legs, okay? And he's, a, he's a professional wrestler. Yeah. You know, Zach Gowan had one leg, you know? You've yeah. got two legs. So this guy's got no legs and he's made it. So exactly. I believe, you know, if, if it, like I said, it's about work ethic, you know? And if you put in that work, fucking no matter if you're in a chair or not, you know, that work's going to shine through. And I've seen you working at the gym with Wolfgang. You know, I've been in for a session when you've been training with Wolfgang, man. So a big respect to you to get in there. You know, I respect anyone that... Um, oh. Takes that leap and actually steps into the ring. You know, it's a cool thing to do. Um, it's it's like we'll come back to that in a moment. Like, but the point is, the point is, it's like you realize how far are you willing to go? And I came to that much as a people always talk about matches that change your career. Like, yeah. Every time the hell themselves coming down, everyone was like, they won't be the same when they come out here. Yeah. Do you to get kind of nerves like that when you go to that match? Like, this is that like this is going to be brutal for sure, man. <laughs> like the way I see it is. What I was saying a minute ago, right? What sets people apart? Anyone can do something they enjoy doing, but putting yourself outside your comfort zone and doing something you don't want to do, that's what sets people apart. That's what I said when it's important with training. You go to the gym, anyone can go to the gym when they don't want to, but forcing yourself to go. And anyone can go to the gym when they do want to, but forcing yourself to go when you don't, that's what sets people apart. So did I ever see myself doing a death match? No. Like, you know, did, did anyone else see me doing a death match? That little kid from Bristol who started nice ICW, 18 years old, 120 pounds, you know, this little kid. And I think you're going to see him in the main event at Shug's house party in a death match. No. But to me, the reason I have to do it is because I, I don't want to do it. You know, I, I don't want to do a King of Insanity match, but I feel like I have to, 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 to prove myself. And especially with, with everything that's happened with me, me and BT Gunn, he's one of my greatest rivals, you know, up there, I'd say BT Gunn. Andy Wilde, Liam Thompson, you know, uh, Kez Evans. These guys are really my sort of um, my top rivals. And with, with BT Gun, especially over the last year throughout lockdown, we had this six month feud that no one saw, you know, mm. uh, that they saw it online, but it was in front of no one. Um, it's arguably my greatest feud um, but with that, Joe Hendry, you know, but this one, the thing with Joe, with Joe that was in front of the, the fans. Mm -hmm. Whereas th this feud I had with BT was in front of no one's. It was at the taping, so it was completely different. Um, the first match we had was a tournament match um, in the Lionheart League. So that was just a traditional rules wrestling match. That wasn't ICW rules. After that, we had ICW rules match. Um, and then after that, we went on to have the steel cage match at Bard. Um, so we'd done so we were already doing like normal matches, insane matches, steel cage matches. And then three, four weeks ago, main event of Fight Club. Uh, no, sorry, wasn't main event. Um, but on the Fight Club, we went uh, to the twenty-minute time limit draw. Great match, by just the way. just to prove who was the best. And mm. and now we find ourselves in this situation where, you know, uh, I've won the square go. BT Guns never won that, but he's got something that I've never done. Um, you know, and he's the king of insanity. And you know, whether I win the ICW World Championship or not, he'll always have that over me. That'll be, always be something that I haven't done. He'll always be. He'll have one up on me. So to me, this is to prove everyone that I can be. Not just a, a top guy, not just a um, the world heavyweight champion, but at the end of the day, this is insane championship wrestling, and I want to show everyone that I can be the king of insanity as well. Uh -huh. There's nothing I can't do. There you go. I mean that that's exactly what it's all about. Like you're, it feels like you're almost, you know, two of the best wrestlers in Scotland competing to to see who the best is, really. Yeah. And you you 
as a fan, it kind of comes across that you've got one more box to tick before you can go yeah. for a world title belt. Yeah, that's what this, that's what this feud is based on. You know, like in 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 lockdown, it was it was bitter, it was it was angry, it was hateful. I was a different person, but but now, like you said, it's about respect. It's just about showing who the best is. He thinks he's the best. I think I'm the best. You know, we've shown time and time again that you know if you're in Scottish wrestling and you want a 20 plus minute main event, you come to Leighton Buzzard, you come to BT Guard, you know, with a, with the guys that are known for doing these styles of matches, for doing these intense, long 20 plus minute main events. It's Leighton Buzzard, it's BT Gun. So we just, we're, we're gonna show everyone, you know, who the, who the best person really is. Um, and like I said, if I have to, to, to do a King of Insanity match to show that, then I'm willing to do it. Cause that's, so, what, that's I'll do whatever it takes to be the best. To anyone that doesn't know, as maybe tunes into this, because I'm not strictly a wrestling podcast. Yeah. Um, I do love wrestling. It became a big part of the podcast. What does a King of Insanity match mean? Well, in, in, in long story short, it is a death match, um, which is, you know, this, this, this taboo match. It was nice on you, mate. In wrestling, yeah. That is, uh, you know, it's, it's called a death match for a reason. It's something that's, you know, it's definitely um, come to light in more recent years, and there's a, there's a bigger spotlight on on deathmatch wrestling. Huge companies, you know, like um, GCW and uh, Big Japan Wrestling and stuff like. There's huge companies that that are highlighting this, this CZW, you know, this deathmatch style of wrestling. Um, and it's never something I wanted to do. I've never once I knew of it. I'd, I'd seen it, but I never wanted to be a deathmatch wrestler, and I never do want to be a deathmatch wrestler. You know, I'm I'm a wrestler that's doing a deathmatch. I'm not a deathmatch wrestler. This is this is a one and done deal. I'm coming in here to to show that I can do this, that I can hang with this, and that I can hang with the best. But that's it, one and done. Um, but yeah, so the the King of Insanity match is a deathmatch for the title of King of Insanity. Um, and if you win this match, you know there's, there's no championship, there's no belt. It's a title. You know, if you win this match, you are the King of Insanity. You are the craziest motherfucker in icw you know that's that is what this title is that you are the undisputed yeah. craziest motherfucker <laughs> in this company you know? that's what it is and you'll do whatever it takes whether that's drawing pins whether that's fluorescent light tubes whether that's you know barbed wire tables fire anything you know this 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 match is uh it's it's on another level we've only seen three in icw in icw's history um two at the hydro um, one last year in the main event of, um, Fear and Loathing, Stevie, uh, Stevie Boy and BT Gun. Uh, the last Fear and Loathing before, um, lockdown, we had the, um, the tag team match, the Kevin Sanity tag team match. So yeah, I think all together this, this will be the fifth. There's been four so far. This is going to be the fifth King of Insanity match. One-on-one, -on -one, BT Gun versus Slayton Buzzard. You know, BT Gun beat Stevie Boy for the, uh, the title of King yeah. of Insanity. Yeah. Um, before he left the company, and then uh, now it's 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 up to me, and I'm I'm going to take that title, you know, and then I'm going to win the ICW World Heavyweight Championship, and I'm going to be the king of insanity, and I'm going to be the fucking king of ICW, mate. There you go. I mean, is that a wrap? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the two you obviously want to raise the bar. Everything you've obviously measured. You had that big long feud, and now it's kind of turned. It's almost like you've seen the growth and the transition of you as a person and as a character. Yeah. Through all this. And it's coming to this pinnacle now where you have two of the best that want to raise the bar, but it's like, how much more can they raise the bar? And I think it's fair to say, based on what you're saying, this is not one to miss. Yeah. But the, the, 
we, the bar won't be raised anymore. This is it. Okay, this is this is this is the <laughs> pinnacle. We're not going any further. Okay, there's, there's no King of Insanity rematch. This is it. You know, this is the point and point. We've wrestled each other in you know traditional rules, insane rules, steel cage matches. You know, twenty minute time limit draws. We've done everything there is. This is the this is the pied de resistance. This is the the finale, you know, this is it. It's not getting any bigger than this. This is, you know, the last one. We're going to give everything we have in the main event at Shug's House Party to show who the better man is. Well, I can tell you, like, even if you're not a wrestling fan listening to this, you get, if you get a ticket and go to this show, you will not be disappointed. Yeah, this is it's unlike anything you've ever seen, you know. If you're thinking of WWE, um, you know, family wrestling, this, this is not it. This is not for the faint-hearted. You know, this show is 18-plus for a reason. You know, if you, if you, if you don't want to see family wrestling, if you want to see blood, if you want to see glass, if you want to see barbed wire, you know, if you want to see death matches, um, in Scotland, this is the only place you can come and see, uh, this is a, it's a special attraction. You know, like I said, this in the history of ICW, you know, over 10 years, this match has only happened five times. So when it happens, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, July 29th, Shrugs House Party night one. That's exactly what this is. It's a big deal. The main event. BT Gun versus Leighton Buzzer, King of Insanity match. It's not going to get any bigger than that. Fantastic. I can't, I can't wait for that, man. Um, but see, we're talking about how extreme that match actually is. Do you, is there a, do you at all get, like, right, you obviously want to go for the world title. That is the main yeah. goal here. But how do you even come out of a match like that in one piece to even wrestle again? Right, man. But I'm, <laughs> I'm taking a hiatus from, from the world title. You know, when I, when I won the square go, you know, really it was, for me, it felt like tunnel vision. I felt like that was, that was it. That's what I needed to set my sights on. The next thing for me was the World Heavyweight Championship. But then what happened, happened with me and BT, you know, that we had this time limit draw, we had this match and I knew that there was unfinished business there. And I know I've got this briefcase for a year. You know, I, yeah. I get to choose whenever I want. I'm the one with the power. I can sure. choose my shot whenever I want. Um, so I knew that I had to, you know, take a bit of time away from that to not only physically better myself, you know, I'm at the moment in the last three months, I've put on 11 kilograms, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a heavyweight. That's what I'm going to, I want to be heavyweight champion of the world and I want to do it as a heavyweight. So, um, I, I won't be cashing in just yet because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still in the midst of this yeah. bulk, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting on weight, I'm putting on weight every week. Um, and yeah, like I said, I'm taking this seriously. And when I, when I, challenge for the world heavyweight championship you know i want to be a real heavyweight so i took some time to to work on myself at the gym and to um you know really come into this match when eventually i i choose to get my shot to be the best wrestler i can be but also i want to when what happened with me and bt i wanted to prove myself you know and i felt like i had the time to 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 do that to take a little detour from the world heavyweight championship it's not going away you know it's not going anywhere i've still got my shot i've still got a year i can choose it whenever i want but right now, what's important is, you know, this unfinished business for BT Gun, finishing what we started uh, and in front of the fans this time. I, I, I feel like what we did in lockdown was was so special. For for me, that was one of, one of the best points of my career. I felt like I was, that was, I mean, I was, I was putting in my best work. You know, we were doing these, like I said, these 20 plus minute main events in front of no fans, all these different types of matches, steel cage matches. And I felt like some of my best work. Um, but, you know, the fans are robbed of seeing that. They didn't get to see what, like I said, what I consider some of my best, my best work. So I feel like this is the um, the perfect ending to the story because now it's we've gone from wrestling each other in front of no fans on a fucking cold warehouse on a Sunday morning at 
10 o'clock in the morning to now wrestling at the O2 Academy in the main event of Shug's House Party with the fans back at one of the biggest shows of the year. So, you know, I think it's the perfect end to the story. It's going to be some match, man, honestly. Every ICW fan is absolutely buzzing about it. Thank you, man. As am I. And see, even the team that I met you in, in the gym all those months ago to now, you look like bigger. Yeah. yeah and it's, you can see it. And it's not even that, it's not even really been that long, you know? You So, I I don't even know what else to say because that was just such a good thing. But see, see, what I wanted to tell you actually was that day, you know, for me, like, I said I would come back to this and I'm going to do it now because... I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to be in wrestling. Yeah, I've always wanted to be involved in some way, and it was kind of one of those things where I watched it from from as far back as I can remember, really, and I loved it so much. I remember one day I went to school, and I was like really young, can't really remember what age it was, right? And I was talking about Shawn Michaels or something, and somebody went, but I, I was like, I want to be like Shawn Michaels, and somebody turned around and went, "Ah, but you can't, you can't, you'll never wrestle though," and it just kind of crushed me. I remember like. I specifically remember that moment of being like, oh, he's right. Obviously, I can't be a wrestler. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I kind of shut it off because I liked it. So, I loved it so much that it kind of killed me that I couldn't do it. And then, and then through doing this podcast and meeting Dallas and meeting Wolfie and meeting Jack, uh, Jack Jester and stuff like that, it was like, you're getting to meet people that you've watched on the TV. And I was able to express how much I wanted to do it. And, Dallas said, Look, we'll get you in the ring and we'll do some stuff. And then kind of talked about it, but nothing really came about. And when Wolfie came in here, he was like, Mon, I'll take you down there. And honestly, I, I always had it, I always wondered what it would feel like, whether I would do it. And I'd be like, oh, this is too much or whatever. But honestly, like, see, as soon as I went in there and took my first bump, I was like, This feels exactly the way I thought it would. This is, it felt like I was right at home. Yeah. I was almost in, and I remember like Wolfie gets annoyed at me because the whole time we're doing that, I'm just smiling. Yeah, I'm mate. Just like, <laughs> I, I struggled with that when I started as well. I'm yeah. just so happy to be there. Yeah. It's like you feel that you're living something that you never thought was going to happen. I mean, Paul was there videoing the first one, and you could just see how happy I was. And every time I go in there, it's like, wow, I'm so happy, to, like so happy to be in here. Yeah. And um, when I met you that day, and you kind of took the time to, to give me some feedback. And as you were leaving the gym, you asked me what my name was, and and you didn't really need to do that, you know what I mean? And I thought that was really cool of you to just take the take the time out to. Oh man, like I said, I re I respect anyone who takes that leap and actually, um, you know, takes that step and gets into the ring because it's 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 a hard thing to do, um, for anyone, and to be able to take that leap and actually take it to the next step and actually do something about it. You know, everyone everyone says they want to be a wrestler. Everyone who watches wrestling says they want to be a wrestler. But very few actually take that leap and go for it. So, you know, there's a level of respect there for me for anyone who actually takes that leap and goes for it. And I think it was awesome to see you know Wolfie and um he's one of these guys that, you know, it doesn't matter you know, who you are, fucking how able you are, you know, if 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 you've got a passion for wrestling and you want to come and train, then he's gonna help you. Um at Iron Girders Gym, you know. So that's um it was it was really cool to see you in there, man. No, oh, I appreciate that. And that, as Dallas would say, it's cerebral ballsy. Yeah. It sounds like Dallas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said that. And I said, I'm going to get a t shirt of that one. Yeah, yeah, man, you should, mate. You should get that trademarked. <laughs> That's a good one. I said to him, man, I was like, I think he's always had a kind of a good respect for me right from the first time we met. 
and 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 originally I was like, oh, let me let me take a bump or give somebody a weapon or something. Yeah, yeah. And then, the, but now I'm like, no, fuck that. I want to be a wrestler. Yeah, I man, want to just you, do it. keep at it, man. Yeah. There's, a, there's a space for it. It's about work ethic, man. Exactly. And if you and put in, if you put in that work, the same work that you put into everything else you do, you know, like obviously you were telling me before we started about your your football team. Um, you know, if you can put in that same work into mm -hmm. wrestling, it's that same mindset. Then you know you're gonna go far. You know, keep at it. Well, Wolfie's see, the best guy to be in there with. You know, boy. he's gonna help you, man. He is, he's, he's such a great guy as well, isn't he, really? Yeah. But see, you know, listen to the, your whole journey here and talk, being able to talk to you about it, like your whole ethos and the way you think about it, is the way I feel that I've still yet to implement that, all the all those kind of different things. And I can't wait to just train the workout and enjoy that sort of journey. Yeah. And the fact that you're 24 and I'm 25, I'm like, one day, we're done a, today we're doing a podcast, but a few years from now we could be, Doing something else. Yeah, that? man. So um, this has been a really fun conversation. Thanks, man. man. And, and keep enjoying it. You know, keep that feeling. You said you couldn't stop smiling, you know. Learn to be able to not smile, but <laughs> a smile on the inside, man. Keep that feeling. Because for me, I think wrestling is one of those things where it's supposed to be a passion. It's supposed to be a love. And it's supposed to be fun, right? We're all doing, everyone's doing this because they don't want to live a normal job. They've always felt like they were destined for for something else, something greater. So you know, you got to be having fun when you're wrestling always. And I always, whether I'm training every week, whether I'm in the ring wrestling, I still have fun wrestling as much fun as I do when I started. Um, and I still get that feeling and you should always keep that feeling. Um, yeah. Cause you, the minute you stop having fun, the minute it becomes a job, then it's mm -hmm. like, why are you doing it? You know, mm -hmm. why don't you yeah. just work in a nine to five then a, a normal job. If you, if it's boring, if you're not having fun, uh, then what's the point? You know, we're doing this cause we want to do something different. So if I can give you any advice, it's keep that feeling, man. You know, that, that that feeling when you can't stop smiling because you're in the ring, you're doing what you want to do. Keep that feeling because that's what wrestling's supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun. Absolutely, mate. I love everything about it. And I, and I can't, I mean, see even the idea of just, when I think about, when I see the evolution of wrestling, to me, I always felt like there was a part of it missing because I've been a wheelchair my whole life. Yeah. It's always been the way that I've done things. But you see like how, how much of a, like the kind of, the whole thing that started with the give divas a chance type yeah. of thing and the push for equality and you're like but you're still watching that show that's because it's such a variety and you're like there's yeah. still nobody that i can really fully relate to on this in yeah. terms of so i was like well if nobody else is doing it why the fuck don't i do it then yeah, <laughs> exactly mate you know um, there's, there's an opening for everything so and like i said equality is not just men and women it's, it's anyone who who loves wrestling yeah. and, and feels like they've got something to give and wants to to put in that effort the same as everyone else well i can tell you and anyone that's listening that i will i'm going to do it and i will have a wrestling match one day good man i look i, I look forward to seeing that i look and forward uh, to seeing it. maybe maybe me and you will meet in the ring one day you never I'll know i'll tell you what man um people probably think look at me and go Maybe you could do a weird bit of that, but you couldn't have like a 20 minute wrestling match. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, I will have a 20 minute classic wrestling match one day, man. Oh, that's a big, big call. Big Honestly, call. I swear to God, because there's nothing, see every part of the work, every part of the work, I, I just, I'll, I enjoy every part of it. Yeah. Because you know, and see even just the idea of coming out to the ring, having your own music and all that. They yeah. Are, like, I'm going to be so um, well, ready for it. I'll watch out for it, mate. I've seen you kick a ball. I don't want to be on the, res <laughs> the receiving end of one of them. Exactly okay, so I'll be staying out of the way. Um, just wanted to kind of to say that because it's just been so much fun. And I think meeting guys like yourself and just the community, how supportive everyone's been. Even when I posted about the first time, the, 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 the kind of reaction from the community and the wrestlers was, was kind of like, well, these people actually really want me to succeed. And that was a really cool feeling because you 
could I kind of into it being like, what are people going to think? I thought there'd be more opposition to it. Yeah. But everyone's been like, hey, fucking let's go and date, man. And I can't wait for it. But listen, um, I've absolutely loved every single part of this conversation. Man, thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, I've man. really enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure to have you on. And I hope that you steal the show. And next time, by the way, just before we finish up, See, when you get that built, I want you to come back here with it. I want to see that built in the studio, man. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll replace the, uh, you know, the, the WWE title. We'll, we'll put my title there. Exactly. You know? okay. exactly. And Sweet. then by that point, whether it's like a year or two from now, I will be a better wrestler than I might do. And you better believe I'll be cutting promos on your ass. Oh, okay, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's a deal. It's a deal. Uh, no, thanks again, mate. And, thanks for having uh, me on, buddy.